Hello and welcome back to my podcast called Faith is Strength. I'm Nochi Mendel. I'm speaking out of Suffer, New York, helping spread the beautiful light of spiritual living across the world. May my words and the expressions of my soul be gratifying to everyone who hears them. I pray that my ideas help pave a beautiful path in your journey of life. Thank you for tuning in. The date of today's recording is March 8th of 2019. The topic being anxiety. I had the privilege to sit with my sister Ganeshi and we had a nice long dialogue and brought up some great points which hopefully will help you and your journey in dealing with anxiety, fears, and struggles within that category. Thank you. All right, what's poppin'? What's poppin', yo-yo? I'm so excited for this topic, I can't even tell you. First of all, start out by just telling me. A couple years ago, I recorded some videos that I put onto YouTube about anxiety. I didn't like how it came across, so I took them down. I mean, that yeah, right there is anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It is, by the way. Um, you know how many times like I'll post something and I'll be like, I'm like, does I anyone could, even get what I'm saying? No, like I could, I could help people. I've I've been dealing with anxiety for so many years. Let me make a video and put it up, and some people liked it, and some people watched it, and didn't say anything. No, and I was just like, no, no. this is not good enough. What, what, that's well, that, o- well, that's that OCD on. factor. What did you feel? What, feel, what about it did you feel, feel like perfect. wasn't good? Um, it was too scripted? I don't know. Too structured? <laughs> Funny, but I'm so, I'm, I, I'm so passionate about this topic because um, I've been dealing with anxiety since, uh, since I'm about 15 years old. And... The reason I'm able to talk about it is because I've been dealing with it what? constantly up until this point. I'm 26 now, 11, 12 years, whatever it is. Right. I've been dealing with it actively, working working it, not just like hiding from it. So there's accumulation of tricks and things that I've figured out along the way that have helped me get to where I am. I've overcome a lot of my anxiety. And there's so many different types of anxiety, but I've overcome some of them. Um, and just knowing these little tricks, if you know, if, this, if anybody would have were able to tell me some of these tricks, it would have greatly helped me. Now, our background in anxiety is funny because almost everyone in our family has anxiety. Yeah. Anxiety runs in DNA. Science knows this for a fact. It's not just like, oh, well, you have anxiety. That could happen, right. but m- more likely, uh, it's passed down. Mm-hmm. Um, and that and that comes to what is anxiety. So I've done research years ago, and and it's I mean, years ago. I mean, within the past five years, and it's possible that they've they've had some breakthroughs or more discoveries. But the bottom line on anxiety is this. From my understanding, and of course I can't use all the fancy terminology for it, but there's a very basic fundamental understanding of what's happening. From an evolutionary standpoint, we have evolved with a fight or flight mechanism. That's actually a good thing. Right. It's there to protect us. Mm-hmm. If we get into a fight or a sticky situation, 
you have to have the wherewithal to fight or run. Mm -hmm. And this is a mechanism that triggers certain things in our bodies. Our heart rate goes up, amongst other things. And we feel it when we're anxious. So this is a, there's a direct correlation between fight or flight and anxiety. Essentially what's happening when you get anxiety out of the blue or for seemingly meaningless things, your body is interpreting your situation or surroundings or your thoughts as a fight or flight situation. Right, exactly. It's understood on a, from a certain perspective as a flaw in our evolution. Now, of course, if you have faith in Hashem and the way that He designed this world and our life, there may be deeper, more underlying purposes. For example, to get us to change our life and habits, which I've found to be the case for me. But if we leave that aside, just from a very technical standpoint, it's a fluke. Our body is misinterpreting our surroundings, our situation. It's interpreting it as something danger. that's fight or flight, there's some kind of danger. And, and the fear kicks in because there really isn't any danger. We start acting stupid and crazy because where are you running to and what are you running from? Right. So that, that's what anxiety essentially is. It's just this weird fluke that our bodies are reacting to in the wrong way. And if we're able to figure out why it's happening, those triggers, or that nothing is happening or what's happening when it's happening, we're able to learn to kind of find ways to deal with it and possibly even mitigate it. Mm -hmm. So for my research, that's basically what I found. I mean, anxiety is just this, our body's misinterpreting a situation for something else. We freak out for no good reason. We think we have to fight or run. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we do. Like if we have bad anxiety, which we're going to get into, on so many aspects of our life, we run from it, we hide from it, we build walls around it, and stuff like that. And which leads to, it leads to a very crippling life. Anyone who has anxiety knows. I mean, anxiety is like the mother load of destruction in our generation and possibly all generations in the past. Right, because it holds people back. It consumes, it consumes you. It, it stops. It's a potential stopper. Well, it's also so uncomfortable that if you already know that it's going to come on, you're already either holding back or not going to do certain things because of the fear of the uncomfortableness of it. And it's all subconscious. Yeah. But you may hold yourself back from certain situations or people or things because you already subconsciously wired and you know that you're going to have an anxious reaction. Yeah. And it's so uncomfortable that you don't even want to get into it to begin with. In that sense and in, and in so many it cripples you beyond imagination. People who would otherwise have so much potential in so many different areas. Right. Right. It just keeps them locked in a prison. Absolutely. So it's it's immensely crippling to millions and millions of people walking planet Earth today and throughout history. Anxiety is not new. So it's like it's literally the flagship of issue, of personal issue. Yeah. But I do want to say one thing about that. 
you're saying that it's fight or flight, which is true. Your brain is reacting to a supposed danger. But a lot of times that happens because of something we had experienced. So if your brain is experiencing whatever it is, the tri- whatever the trigger is, if it's the weather, if it's a certain situation, if it's the way some, somebody's um, handling something or dealing with you or a smell or whatever it is, for everyone it's different. And when that supposed danger happened in the past, or maybe it was a danger or maybe it was a traumatic experience, when you get that trigger now, it could cause an anxiety attack because your brain is actually preparing you for what it had already experienced. That's true too. I mean, it's, um, what's the word for it? You kind of memorize, you're programming yourself through traumas and other awkward or uncomfortable situations. To trigger yourself in the future yeah. of uncomfortable situations, but there is a, yeah. there is a, there's like this bottom line type of trigger or anxiety that kicks in from seemingly nothing. Now, one of the stuff that I would like to share is that there's always a trigger, but if I look back, for example, to the first time I had anxiety, I was about fifteen or sixteen. I was smoking weed in that period of my life, although I don't think I was high when I got anxiety. Mm -hmm. It was after I took a caffeine pill. Now it's very normal, and people need to know that it's very normal for anxiety to start between the age of about 13 and 20. That's usually when it starts for people. Mm -hmm. Now if it's unchecked, it's like unchecked childhood issues. They come out when you're older. Right. It comes out when you're safe. Right. When you're in a space where it has the space to be expressed. That's interesting. That's exactly when it came out by me. So I, yep. I was in a very comfortable place. Yep. That makes so much sense. And it came out. Now, if you don't check it, so if, if anxiety runs in your family. Well, I'll tell it's... you something else. Because your brain is wired to expect, quote unquote, danger, wired to expect you know, whatever it is. And then when you're in a space where you're not having that or you're in a, you're in a space where that stops, that's when the anxiety starts because your brain, your DNA or your, um, it's pre, it's like predisposition to prepare you for this up and down or this upheaval or whatever it is that you are experiencing. And when that doesn't happen because you're in a safe space, the anxiety is your brain kicking in and saying, you know, here it is, it's happening. That's that's also how um, childhood issues manifest. So yes. you, you, we know yes. people, and because we come from the community, I mean, it's like this across the board, but we grew up in a community life, so we know a lot about abuse and stuff like that. Um, and, and people who leave that, right, they throw off the throes of, of religiosity or the community, and they say, I'm okay. They don't go for help. All of a sudden, at 25, after they're married and they have kids, or some at some later stage, all of a sudden it comes out all these issues. What happened? I thought you were okay. Like you, right. you're going to be different than your right. parents. You, you don't have these issues. You're not going to hit your children. All of a sudden it comes out. So, uh, the idea of a safe space manifests itself. The the consequence of a safe space, in in this sense, 
in these senses manifests itself in various ways. But anxiety is very similar like that. Um, anxiety is one of them. It could just come out. Yeah. Yeah. What seems to be completely random. And what I wanted to point out was that I had taken a caffeine pill. Right. Back to the caffeine. So I also get very, very anxious. And it triggered it for the first time then. So yeah. obviously by now I know caffeine, sugar, things that stimulated my heart rate and, and, and my blood to flow differently or to feel differently were some triggers. But back then I didn't know that. So it seemed right. like, well, what's going on? All of a sudden I feel like I'm, I'm fainting, I'm dying, I'm heart palpitations. And it's completely uncomfortable. And I mean, needless to say, anyone who's ha- who has had anxiety, especially bad anxiety, where, where that leads to panic attacks and stuff right, like that, right, right. is so devastating. It's yeah. it's, it's crippling. It's yeah, really I mean, crippling. There's no other way to say it. It's just so destructive yeah. to your own mental health, to your own well-being. You feel so disgusting. You feel so trapped in it. And for so many years, it was on and off for me. So you deal with it, you think you have it under control, then it kicks back in in a, in a completely different way. Right. Um, you know why? Because as we level up and as we heal, the the anxiety will show up in different ways. Right. Because that means you're ready for more or you're ready to face more or ready to deal with more of whatever it is that was wired to prepare you to protect yourself. There's a huge connection of anxiety to death. So what's essentially happening, and, and I've really thought about this a lot, and, and this is gonna tie into some of the ways that we could learn to cope. Because think about the worst anxiety that you have, these panic attacks that are based off of nothing, or even something. I think it's always connected to something. When I say nothing, I, I already mentioned earlier, it's seemingly nothing. Right. Meaning you don't right. you don't know the trigger, you don't understand what's right. happening. There could be various... Generally it was triggered by something though, right? It's always triggered yeah. by something. Yeah. Anxiety can't just kick in from a vacuum. Right. But seemingly nothing. Mm-hmm. So if you think about this like anxiety that kicks in these panic attacks, these uncomfortabilities from seemingly nothing, they just kick in. Ultimately... What is scaring you? Granted, you might be having a heart palpitation or, or you're panicking a little bit. Now, my anxiety used to... So what ha- it's a vicious cycle. What happens is something triggers it and I, and I always wondered what happens first, the heart or the brain. They say the brain because your heart and other mechanics can't be triggered on their own, right? So it has to be your brain, but there's literally an instant between when your brain got triggered and when your heart starts bugging out because the fear is in the heart correct but i want to think that sometimes the body reacts first because if you're experience experiencing something physically sometimes people are triggered by weather is it in the mind so that's the thing there's a there's a very 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 fine line and i've thought about this so much or even somebody that was abused i've thought about it what what's happening first well you know, from uh, like a technical standpoint, they're going to say, well, your body doesn't even feel the weather or the wind without your mind processing it first. So it has to go through the mind. The reason I questioned it was because I was, I'm so in tune with my body, hyper aware, which is 
one of the reasons why I'm I'm prone to get anxious so much. Right, exactly. I'm too aware. Right. If my heart beats one beat, a drop off, You're aware it of shoots it. it to my head. Right. right. Now, there's this very, very fine line. And what I would realize, because I'm too aware of my body and its functions and all that it's doing at every minute, I would sometimes feel like my heart started racing or bugging out before my mind even knew that I was afraid. And then it would make me question, is my heart somehow getting anxious? And then my mind is like, oh my God, what's happening? Now I'm bugging out because I'm bugging out? So I would question that. And that, that remains to be a mystery. And I think it, it, it will be. But for people who are really delving into anxiety and trying to figure out the triggers and what's happening first, a lot of the, that, that mechanical stuff doesn't matter so much. Um, getting into that level of technicality Sometimes it makes it worse. Though. Makes it worse. It makes it worse. A hundred percent. You start overthinking. You agonize over the tiny details. Right. I could tell you now from, from a broader perspective, because I've worked on it for so many years, how to deal with those phenomenons without getting too technical about it. But these are interesting thoughts and things to explore nonetheless, because they're prevalent with almost everyone who has it. So you're, you're going to think in... And I thought on, on on these gruesome levels, what was happening? Why is, am I having a heart palpitation, then I'm bugging out? Or am I bugging out, then I have a heart palpitation? I never thought about that so much. But I, having said that, I want to say that if the study shows that, show that it's in the mind first, that even if you're not aware of it, it could be on a subconscious right. level. Well, it's... It's a subconscious level. So you're not actually aware of it, but it's actually... That too. Something in your mind was triggered. I agree, and and also it could be the timing difference could just be so small yeah. that it seems in reverse. It's right. just that right. something right. could have triggered your mind. It shoots it right away, almost instantaneously to your heart. Right. So that's where you're really feeling the fear. Yeah, I usually feel it in my chest. I'll give you an example. You might think that the fear is really in your brain. Your brain is really just the one that's thinking all these confusing thoughts. Your brain is just reacting. Right. Well, then that goes back to mind versus body. If your body is tensing up or your heart rate's going up, your brain is telling you fight or flight. So that's interesting. Well, your brain is trying to process. Your brain is trying to protect you. Your brain... Because your body tensed up and got anxious. Correct. Well, that's why that's why I said before, it remains to be a mystery. Yeah. If you get very technical about, is it the body or the mind? It remains to be a mystery. Well, we're not the scientists. So. I've, re I've researched it extensively and, and, and read a lot of science on it. It doesn't matter so much. Different scientists will believe different things because it's a it's something that's still in progress. They're literally just researching and, and trying to figure it out. Because like it's a fluke. It's something that. And by the way, for those who don't know, there's no medical way to solve it yet because it's this little fluke in evolution or in our bodies biology well not because it's the correlation doesn't work that way but on another note they don't have a way to solve it now they well, give us because anxiety is a mind illness so to speak there isn't going to be a medication or something like that for it right, but so let's say for me my therapist did dbt therapy with me which brings you into mindfulness coming into the moment because generally when you're anxious you're either in the past or the future yeah. you're not right here in this moment 
So DBT therapy was extremely, extremely helpful. It helped me take my mind from wherever it was, bring it back into this moment through... Um, what is DBT? Tell our listeners. So I don't know the exact full definition that goes under it, but DBT does stand for Dialectical Behavioral Therapy. Um, and it incorporates a lot of mindfulness coming into this moment using sensory. So, you know, she would recommend either taking a bath or a shower, something that hits your sensory system. Um, watching something or listening to something or getting busy with an activity that distracts your mind from that cycle of thoughts that's going around and around and around the ruminating, the, the overthinking. Um, and, you know, coming into awareness of where you're at right now, reminding your brain you're not in danger right here, right now. And I found it extremely, extremely helpful. That's really cool. Yeah. It's practice that, though. That, and it really takes time because then you're, what you're actually doing is rewiring your brain to recognize that you're not in a dangerous situation. Yeah. A lot of the ways that I've uh, figured out how to deal with it tie into similar methodology. Yeah. Um, in talking about, you know, if we're going to get into ways to deal with it, um, and that brings me back to something that a point that I didn't finish. But there's so much to share on this topic. I could sit for 10 hours straight and especially if it's in a dialogue type of way like we are right now. Is there, everything you say or anyone who has dealt with anxiety will, will, will trigger endless thoughts. And I don't want to lose track of some of the important points. Sure. We're, we're going to talk about ways to deal with it. I was, I was saying earlier that there's a connection between our ultimate destruction. What is our ultimate destruction? Death. When you have anxiety, despite the nitty gritty, is it the heart, the mind, the that, when you're freaking out, you're bugging the fuck out. You, 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 think, what's, you think you're going to die. Everything is, you're losing control over yourself. Completely trapped. But ultimately, what's, what's the fear? Oh my God. What are you bugging out about? Right. If nothing's going to happen, you're not bugging out. Right. You're bugging out ultimately because you think something's wrong with you. You're going to destruct you're gonna die. You're gonna, you're gonna lose conscious. Whatever it is, now it also ties into letting go, which we're gonna to get to. But it ties into the ultimate destruction, which is something's gonna to happen to you. You're gonna die. You're gonna go crazy. You're gonna pass out. You're, something's gonna happen. You're gonna have a heart attack, right? And this it's, could be completely subconscious. It's like this uphill battle. But this is fight, and fight or flight. And builds and builds and builds and builds. Right. What is fight or flight? You think you're, you're either going to die. Right. You're wired to save yourself. Right. To run right. or fight because you want to stay alive. It's self-preservance. You need to stay alive. We're wired to want to stay alive. Right. So when we start talking about dealing with anxiety, one of, one of the huge things, and there's so many tricks, I have to really like be mindful and think about the various ways in which I've learned to deal with it. There's, there's a lot of physical, there's, there's different um, categories of methods. There's physical, mm-hmm. there's mental, and there's spiritual. Like there's literally pra- mental practices you could do to help anxiety. There's physical things you could do. There's the spiritual behavior. things you could do. One of, the, one of the first things that's really important to think about is this, this underlying fear. Mm-hmm. 
you're gonna destruct, you're gonna die. Something like the ultimate, like what what's really behind the fight or flight. Mm-hmm. Now, fight or flight, we said was good, but we we don't want to have these kinds of reactions when it comes to mundane things. If you're gonna go socialize with your friends or people you don't know, or if you're about to do public speaking, if you're about to fly in a plane, you don't want to have those kinds of reactions. You don't want to feel like you're dying and and have the reactions that you would if you were actually in danger. So when it comes to these mundane activities that are triggering, potentially triggering your anxiety, we need to get very mindful about the whole death situation. One of the, and I could say this now in retrospect, obviously this is a lot harder at 17 and 20, even though I knew this, but then I was still actively deploying my little brain ideas to get this under control. But but at this point, I already have done it for so many years that it's got, I've gotten somewhat of a control over it. You have a lot more awareness at this point. You have to, you have to think about death and not think about meaning uh, think about death all day meaning you have to think about it and don't shy away from it if you want to solve your anxiety with the goal of reaching a certain level of comfort about death ultimately the whole fight and flight all the scary rubber it's all because you're going to you're scared you're going to die something's going to happen to you you have to think about it on on, uh, enough even if it's for a couple of years, a couple of months, months, meditate on it and, and do certain things to gain a certain level of comfort that everything that comes goes. Humans come and go. We will die. And reaching a certain level of comfort, which could take a lot of years. I actually really, really like this point that you're talking about because I've, I want to say I have feared death. I think I still do. Rabbi Nachman talks, um, I read it somewhere so many years ago. He writes somewhere that he had a crazy fear of death. But he he had passed away in his 30s, very young. But he writes later on that, or he wrote it all together, that at a certain point um, he had conquered it. So we know it's possible. Um, <laughs> there's that. There was something else there. I, it slipped my mind, but... If you go very, very deep into your fears and anxieties, you're afraid of heights, you're afraid of flying, whatever it is, it's because you're afraid to die. You're afraid to let go. Let go go and dying, they're synonymous. They go hand in hand. Now, I also have a great fear of letting go. For example, I have a fear to skydive. Not because of the wind or the height, I'm afraid to let go. That lunge. That's where the fear lies. Right. But ultimately, behind all of that is fear of death. Because you're afraid if you let go. Now, these are all things that we're wired to think. Again, to protect us. We know how gravity works. We know if something goes wrong, you go to the ground, you die. But ultimately, the death is the end. At least in your mind. So, you have to think enough about death in order to start working on getting comfortable with the idea of dying. I think it's very important. You're going to try, if you have been dealing with anxiety, you're going to try so many other tricks that's literally dancing around the issue. Right. If you're going to try these meditations, this, that, the other, and it may make you feel better, but then it kicks back in and you're, you're in this roller coaster of ups and downs, 
you're dancing around the issue of death. If you go straight to the core. Core of the fear. The core of the fear. It may be difficult for, for people. It's very difficult. Especially if you're younger. But it's worse if you leave it unchecked because the anxiety and the fears build and grow and grow and grow. If you allow them to, they will continue to grow. If you deal with them and face them and come to acceptance, they start to diminish. That's kind of what I'm aiming at. That yeah. you're gonna, you may find tricks, and even I'll share tricks, and you can share tricks, physical, emotional, yeah. mental. But if you don't deal with the crux of it all, that you're afraid to die, you're afraid to destruct, you're afraid to let go, all these things are synonymous. If you don't, if you can't get yourself to deal with that. Think about Ultimately, it. you're not going to get rid of your anxiety completely. Right. right. That's why I have an insatiable thirst of understanding. But then you do run the, the risk of ruminating and overthinking. So there's observation, like remove the observation, thinking about things, understanding them, understanding the fear with almost, like almost no emotion involved. Just like an observer versus getting stuck in that cycle of overthinking. If it's, so it's important to be an observer about your fear. Right. Almost like a bystander, like well, completely removed. If you compartmentalize, compartmentalize you, you yeah. see that there's a way to approach that, not to get stuck in it. If it's your first five, ten years in anxiety, there are people who have anxiety their entire life. They sure. never deal with it. Absolutely. If you're new to anxiety, kind of like us, where you only have it, let's say, from your young teenage years into your young adult. So if it's in your first five, 10 years of anxiety, and you're going to start thinking about this idea of acceptance of death, then you will overthink it. You will bug out about it. Absolutely. I've agonized over these thoughts for years in cycles. Absolutely. With death, I can really relate. That but, is something I had an intense fear of, and I would say now is a little bit less, but I still have. Right. But what's my point? That if it's you do that... It's connected to letting go, though. Because it's all, it's in all death, one. we have no control. Destruct, heart attack, those kinds of fears. Death and letting go is, is all synonymous. Well, letting go, I would say, is probably one of the biggest things connected to death, but also pain. People are afraid, you know, afraid of pain in death. Letting go, though. We all want to have control. Nobody wants to walk, but, but walk be, away. Before I slip away, see, you don't want, you're, you're afraid of the phenomenon of getting stuck in the cycle of these thoughts and overthinking. Right. But what I wanted to say was if it's your first five, ten years in anxiety and dealing with anxiety. You may get stuck in it. You will get stuck in it. But if that's what I said before. If you do it with the goal, you don't want to agonize over death, law of attraction, and think about death all day right. and destruction. It's a practice. Right. You have to compartmentalize. If you're doing it for the goal of helping get past certain anxieties, you it, you will progress, and the thought of death is going to become boring at some point. If you don't do it with that goal and you agonize, you could agonize your whole life. So there's a huge distinction there in what the purpose of thinking about death is. I want you to think about death just enough to start getting comfortable with the idea that you will die. Stop, that is part of life. Stop running away. Yes. Death is part it, of life. Stop, if not, 
you know, it's almost like if there's no death, there is no life. What's the value, this awesome thing of life? What is that element, that substance that we're so happy about and right. we feel so grateful for? It's because it's a gem. You do die. So we're here in this spiritual experience for an X amount of years. We're contributing. So you don't want you don't want to get stuck agonizing about death, but you want to think it from a meditative standpoint. Mm -hmm. And and believe me when I tell you this this is years and years. Like I don't I don't know how to bring it across to the listener, like what it means years of, of like you you will it'll be hard for years just dealing with this thought. But as Ganeshi just said, she's she feels better about it now. And that's not everyone. What about the people who don't deal with it and feel worse as they get older about it and, and build up bigger phobias? Now, I don't know how much you may know about anxiety, but there's obviously so many different types of anxieties. Right. There's, there's social anxiety. It goes on to every... People having, get anxious about anything. It could be public speaking, socializing, heights... There's phobias that you build up. Oh, the bridge is going to collapse under me. In every type of anxiety, there are different tricks and different mindfulness techniques and different ways to approach it. Um, I personally have had anxiety on in a number of different places, and I, and I know a lot of the triggers. I figured a lot of this stuff out over the years. For example, phobias of something going wrong. I got it 100% from movies. You see bridges collapsing, buildings falling, fires happening. Because you've never experienced that. It is almost impossible. Because you remember I said I'm hyper aware. That's my that's right. my that's my personality, my emotional, my soul. Yeah. It's funny. If, I don't know if, if you're into astrology, but if you look at August 14, which is my birthday, one of the first things it says like these individuals are like very aware, oh. and it's so funny because. There's very little that slips by me mm -hmm. on on a personal and interpersonal level. Mm -hmm. um, human behavior, my own thoughts, the way that my body feels. We also get it from Bubby. Bubby's very, very, our whole family is very in touch with our bodies, body, right? Yeah. How come when we, we eat sugar, we get anxious? The yeah. other person who's eating sugar and Laffy Taffy's and Gushes for yeah. breakfast, he's, he has no <laughs> I problem. I ate a yogurt the other day. <laughs> I ate a yogurt the other day. Uh, Too much protein and sugar. Um... I, I, I thought it was, I didn't know what it was. I literally didn't know. And I ate some grapes. So oh. it was a, yo a Greek yogurt with grapes. Oh, no, so no. a couple hours later, I'm sweating. <laughs> literally, I had to change my sweat. Everything. I know that. I so have I call the same mommy thing. and I'm telling her, you know, when I tell people that when I'm hungry, I can't, like, it's a real thing. I can't go hungry. And I tell her what I ate. And she's like, Ganeshi. I get that every time I eat yogurt on an empty stomach. <laughs> the nine grams of sugar. Or the grapes. The grapes also have natural sugar sweating so yeah we're hyper aware all of that caffeine i get the same reaction i told sharon don't buy red milk buy even red milk which is too um what, what is it called fat. too um like it's too um too much dairy too much uh, lactose it's, too much sa saturated yeah, it's it's much it's, what the word it's is. fattier it's much um, thicker so but yoga for sure yogurt is full of protein and sugar if you people like us who have who are too in tune with our body yeah See, most people are not in tune with their body on that level. I, I have it on a hyper level, but like I said, my heartbeat can't 
if a pizza drops slower one time, I'm, I'm, you notice. I notice, and I used to why. that used to trigger anxiety and fear. I've learned to get that under control. Yeah, but I'm hyper aware. But I know most people in our family have that level, and it comes from our grant. It's DNA. I know Bubby's very aware of her body yeah. and others. So I actually didn't know that Bubby's like that. Yeah, very aware of her body. Um, that's why she's all into natural and health and all that stuff. So yogurt, for example. If you mix protein, so most people don't even don't even realize they they could stuff their body with uh, cigarettes and well, so sugar what, wait, and so caffeine. This is my question: Do they not realize, or does not everyone react that? One hundred percent, they react that way. Their body reacts the same. Their heart rate goes up. They get parched the same way. Your body, everyone's body, for the most part, reacts the same. Unless you're an anomaly, but it reacts the same to caffeine. That's why people love caffeine sugar and all that stuff but i would it's, i want to think to, if people are sweating and shaking the way i am from caffeine. no no no. they don't get the anxiety that's a that's the difference that caffeine is actually their anxiety. increase in heart rate doesn't trigger anxiety but you it does by me if my blood flows differently um if if my heart rate goes up it'll trigger anxiousness anxiety. that's what i'm saying oh, not everyone the fight or flight kicks in it's misinterpreting oh. that your heart rate went up that there's some kind of fear okay really there's no fear i just drank a coffee i never connected that okay. the fight or flight is is being triggered by often silly and insignificant things this leads people with anxiety to live a different life essentially a more healthy to cope life with, yeah or to cope with Why? it so then that would be unhealthy because if you're a person with anxiety, the, the way to move forward, not to drown yourself in caffeine. Right. The way to move forward is to stay away from caffeine. You don't need caffeine. Right. You need to be a calm. Your heart needs to be At a calm. steady rate. <laughs> exactly. That's so cool. People with anxiety are literally being uh, guided by God to live a certain way. You don't belong being that person who eats gushers for lunch. <laughs> so it's, it, if you get to, so, and Bubby taught me this. So when I was out in Washington, I'm trying to think if I had, really my anxiety kicked in after kicked in Washington. Oh, oh, but you know what it was? I must have visited because I had lived there. I came back, anxiety kicked in. I was having issues here. I went back for a little bit. And so I spoke about my anxiety with her. Well, so you know what happened. You went there, you had safe space. You came back here, you got triggered. So you went back to your safe space. Yeah. That's really That's a cool really observation. And, so, and what she told me was then, she then told me this idea, and I, I've seen it to be true, and it could potentially help others. It's a, it's a guide, it's almost like a guiding light. She said it exactly like this. Anxiety, when you have anxiety... It's your body telling you that something is wrong in your life. You're, something is Absolutely. off. Absolutely. So if you look at it as a message. It's a guiding light. Right. And that is just all, that is amazing. It's your personal guidance. In that sense, if you look at it as a message to change a pattern. Yes. However, that's when you have to differentiate when it's just a trigger because of a past. Or if it's actually trying to teach you something. Either way, you certainly, have to learn. Certainly. Either way, you have to learn. Either to sit with it and work through it so that you don't get anxiety from it again because it's not a danger anymore. 
or because it's your inner voice telling you something that you're doing isn't right. So either way, it's a learning curve. True. It's you, ha- you have to compartmentalize. If, if Anytime there's contrast, there's something to learn from. If it. caffeine or drugs or things that are not necessarily beneficial to your health are triggering your, your anxiety, it's just a call to change your patterns in life and to live more aligned with who you are because you will fight it otherwise your entire life. When you're getting anxiety from walking into a social setting, that's not a call not to socialize. Exactly. You have to compartmentalize. Exactly. hundred percent. That's where to, you need to work. Through. You need intellect to understand. Correct. But we have to deal with one aspect at a time. So on the aspect of, of the guide, think about it and tell this to yourself. Anxiety, and, and in this sense, even the stuff that you don't have to shy away from, it's still a guiding light. This holds true. Anxiety is telling you that something's wrong in your life. Mm-hmm. Something has to change. Yeah. Figuring what it is, figuring out what it is, can sometimes be difficult. But if you go for help, get educated, it becomes more and more clear. Even if you're getting triggered from something silly, like walking into a wedding and you're going to socialize with people, mm-hmm. the that statement still holds true. It's still telling you that something has to change, meaning there's something else that's triggering it. Exactly. Again, anxiety is telling you that something's wrong. doesn't mean that you going in is wrong. It means that something in your life is triggering you to feel anxious about going into the wedding. Exactly. And you have to fix that. Correct. So we have to view anxiety from the standpoint of Hashem trying to guide us, the people who have it, to live a certain life. And that doesn't mean that the people who don't have it aren't guided divinely they to live have. the life they live. They, they have it in different ways. Their physical body is not reacting. They, they right. could be having contrast in other ways. Right. I like to say contrast because it's not good. It's not good. It's not bad. Right. It just is. So it's something that is making you aware. If something comes up that you're becoming aware of that you don't like, that's contrast. So then you ask yourself. Well, that's the evolution of this of this whole thought process is that first we say that anxiety is the most destructive thing in our generation. And you may think of it in such terms as you get educated about it, on it and start dealing with it. You start realizing that for you personally. It's a positive thing because it's there to help guide you. And and in that sense, no, it's not good or bad. Everything is good. Um, right. According to the principles of Amuna, but we need this education, need this understanding in order to, un- to either un- wake up or it's a wake up call. We need this understanding to to understand why it's good, mm-hmm. and this is what we're getting to. I mean, this is there's this whole this is this whole uh, journey that you go through in learning all of these things and getting better and better at it. So that's astonishing. I mean. On the various levels, so phobias, right? We get carried away. I told you this is going to happen over and over. We'll get carried away because there's so many points to be said. The pho- oh, I told you, hyper-awareness this is where I got sidetracked. I go over a bridge. It is nearly impossible, even if I'm having a good conversation with someone in the car then, that I won't think, it won't be in my head that the bridge could collapse and we all die. 
it's impossible for me to go over the bridge. It's impossible for me, yeah. for me to fly without thinking that the plane's going to crash into the ocean. Yeah. Movies. A hundred percent from movies. If I see, if I go under a bridge, just a little overpass, think I think about the down. sign of the bridge falling on my face. <laughs> I'm the same way. Okay. I remember and, you and telling Tati's me. like that. Tati's like that. But I remember you telling me we were driving on the highway once <laughs> about these cars that are like racing after you, you know, and I'm quoting with my fingers like you're thinking that these cars, you know, these cars that are like yeah. changing lanes, they're running out. So I have it. I remember telling you I have it. Um, it's a lot of times at night. I'll turn on a certain street and then you realize this car is following you and they like, why is there high beams on? <laughs> like, where are they going? And then, and my imagination is taking me to, oh, they pull up beside me. They jump out. They're hijacking my car. <laughs> These are sick. So, but this is also an overactive imagination. Not everyone has that. No, we know that Tati's like that. Not. And we know where we get it from. <laughs> of course not. But, you know, you could take something simple as that and you can or cannot Cause your anxiety to be worse with that. A lot yeah. of it is mind control. I'm going to get to that. You know, what's funny is... <laughs> but no, not but a, not I do want to say another that. thing. That with healing, and we, we're not going to get into that again now, it, it does subside. It's not yeah. as intense. It's yeah. not there all the time. So yeah, I'll be on a plane and I'll have the thought of, you know, it'll crash or it'll fall. But... I'll think of that story of that woman who, you know, was sucked out of the window, the the one of the plane windows right. were smashed. But I'll just gently bring my mind back to the present moment. So it's not that it doesn't happen, but it's not taking you over. It's not causing anxiety anymore. That's through healing. But anyway, back to what you were saying. Not every you said not everyone has that, and I wanted to emphasize not everyone has that. Overactive imagination. It run it's I said like I said in the beginning, it's DNA. Yeah. And I was just in Israel. So we're sitting in the flight uh, for our plane bag. This is so funny. I mean, this, this you live, people live this. this. Classic. <laughs> I'm sitting on the plane with my girlfriend and we're supposed to leave. Right. We're, we're supposed to leave Israel. We're going to fly to New York. There's a delay. Okay, great. I'm going to be sitting for 12 hours like a sardine. It's sickening how aviation in that sense hasn't... Uh, Hasn't changed yet, but that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> we sit like sardines for 12 yeah. hours, too. Yeah. I mean, it's 2019. Let's go. Chop, chop. Chop, chop. But anyway. It should all be first class. <laughs> I'm sitting in a... It should be a two-hour flight, and then uh, from there, no, a 30-minute yeah, flight. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I mean, what if... I hear. Well, nothing's changed in the last 50 years. Yeah. The whole airport system is messed up. Yeah. And so we're sitting in the plane, <laughs> and they call out over the mic. Because so we're sitting there for an hour. There's a delay. They don't even say anything, whatever. We're sitting. And then he says... There was a problem with the engine. They had to change the valve. Oh, thanks. <laughs> and exactly. That's how somebody with anxiety thinks, wow. Did I had you that when I was really in have to just tell me that? <laughs> they had delayed us because of a crazy thunderstorm. And then it's still raining, but they're like, okay, we can take off now. And I'm thinking like, are you sure this is safe? <laughs> I'm thinking, first of all, how, like, okay, how often does this happen? Pilot, you need to tell the passengers like, this is okay. This happens every couple months. Yeah. This is how my mind thinks, right. and then and then I, I right away draw on, and this is this is what happens. This is how right. anxiety you draw on real life events and scenarios exactly. to back up your anxiety. Right before I, I I left the U.S. to Israel, there was in the news this plane that took off three times and was returned each time for 
unrelated mechanical issues. And then they grounded the plane. Nothing happened, but it takes off. It has a mechanical issue. It returns three times. That's terrible. Two, two, three weeks later, I'm on a plane that has has mechanical a mechanical issues, issues <laughs> and I'm about to take off. Yeah. We draw on real life events to back up our insanity right. and our crea- creative. But stupidity. again, I want to go back to healing because I, I because I've experienced it. My mind will go to the real life situation, but from healing, I could bring it back to. I'm going to trust that I'm safe right now. Right. And I try to remind myself that if something does happen, it's not in my hands. There's like I'm doing the best that I can do. I'm with but you. But I can't. I couldn't have done that before healing. I couldn't have rationalized with the irrational part of my brain. I'm with you, and and for me, the healing process is similar. But for me, not from healing. That is healing. So the way that I that look at it is number one, the idea of death. You. That, that is its own entity that needs to be dealt with, and we're going to put that aside now. Once you acknowledge that, and that works in the background as you deal with, as you practice all these other things, that that death concept has to be there because you don't want to ignore it. Right. I'm with you. What the, One of the first main, main points in dealing with it that I wanted to point out was that I don't let these things hold me back. So let's get into some of the nitty-gritty well, that's where we come to cognitive behavioral therapy. If you're going to do avoidance behavior, the anxiety is going to grow. Like I said earlier, it's going to grow and grow. Yeah. You need, and, and you can do it with professional help. And you, you live your entire your life avoiding avoidance, situ- right. situations. We know so, people who just don't go anywhere, don't do anything because... Because of it. Because they're, they're the, avoiding the it, anxiety and it gets worse morphed and worse. into this huge yeah. monster. And it's a real thing. And what I'm going to say is that when it's at that point, you most likely do need professional help. Oh, and even sure. if it's not at that point, you need professional seek help professional right help. away. But at that point, you, you need more than help. Yeah. You, you, you need blessings. Well, you, need <laughs> you need both. You need God to intervene. <laughs> you need both. You really need both. Yeah. But really, you need both uh, along the whole journey. And that's why it's important. The younger you tackle these things, we're going to get to ooh, age, DNA. First, I want to just say that the first step in the healing process is not to run away, hide, and give up. That's the worst thing to do. You have to acknowledge and commit to facing it head on. And this is what I've done. So airplanes, for example, I had a natural fear of airplanes. Not heights. I'm going back years now. Airplanes. Anxiety. Turbulence. Oh. When anxiety, uh, when there's turbulence, the anxiety kicks in and all this stuff. Okay? Most, almost everyone in our family has has anxiety from flying or, yeah. or doesn't even fly at all. You know, it's... Well, when we're sitting on the plane and Tati turns to the woman next to us during turbulence and tells her, what's if we all go down and we're going down together? Oh my, Tati's great. He, 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 yeah. he says, you know, this plane is like a cigarette in the sky, just... Like like a, a cigar, just imagine it just starts rolling. You know, yeah, rolling. That, like if yeah, <laughs> completely that, out of control, basically. He, it's again the concept of having no control over your body. Right, and that's over your, over uh, your physical expressions body. too. But um, yeah. <laughs> he, he um, this is how his mind thinks. Now, I it never stopped me from flying. I, I fly to Oman every year. Mm-hmm. Um, I go to Israel every other year, and and I go places. So because I never allowed it to stop me from flying. So and now that's just one point I want to bring out. And it's it's like that with everything. 
socializing. Mm-hmm. Substances, weed, it, it makes you kind of like an introvert. It made my my social capacity, my, my capacity to socialize worse. But then you have the opposite also that becomes an issue. Sometimes people drink alcohol in order to feel comfortable in social situations, which could morph into an addiction. Right. Well, that's a, so you that's have a both. You have both ends. That's a whole other aspect of right. it. But what I did was I never stopped socializing. Um, and, and I always, my point is I always faced it head on. You had the awareness that it was uncomfortable. And you forced yourself to do it anyway. And I still do. And that's what I'm saying about... I'm not even. comfortable. I can't say I'm 100% comfortable flying. Right. All those thoughts will be there. But I do it anyway. Right. And I don't get a panic attack if the plane starts having turbulence. So now, let's go a step further. One plane ride that I had, I had an abnormal turbulence experience, which was traumatic. Absolutely. Um, and I've spoken to a lot of people who fly often and they haven't had it. So this was this is not just like the type unusual. of turbulence. It was unusual. It was very... Very powerful. We were going back or from Ukraine, and the plane. You know, I remember where I'm hanging out in the back of the plane with my friends. We're drinking some vodka and just socializing, and there was a little bit of turbulence. I and I, I turned to my friend Avrumi because I see he's bugging out a little bit from it. Because I'm the same way, and I tell him, ah, "This is nothing. Like it gets worse." <laughs> As a joke, and it got worse. <laughs> a couple minutes later, the pilot says, "Please sit down. There's gonna be some turbulence. That's it." Everyone sits down. Yeah, you're okay. There's going to be some turbulence. I'm, I'm like getting goosebumps <laughs> listening to this. People get anxious just hearing this. Okay, you know, you're, okay. You're, you're going to face death. It's fine. It's <laughs> right? so uncomfortable. This is how your mind thinks. Okay, it's let's get, get ready to die. Yeah. Um, but you're not thinking that. You think it's going to, you know, you're not thinking. Okay. And the turbulence starts. Starts with a couple of rattles. <laughs> just saying the word rattles, you know, the plank. Yeah. The wings, the, the bumps, back. It shakes. And it starts, and then it, and then it hit really bad turbulence. The plane was um, dropping hundreds, if not thousands, of feet at a time, up, down. Oh We're talking about God. smacking. Think like rough, rough roller coaster, G-force. Oh my God! It was so bad that the compartments were opening. Were up. opening. Suitcases were flying <gasps> down. Lights were blinking. It was at night. It was dark. Passengers are shrieking and grabbing each other. It was that bad. <laughs> shrieking. That's, scary. That's very scary. Up, down. How long did it go on for? I was sitting right next to some other, some random girl, and we didn't grab each other. We were both holding on, like we're gonna tough it out, like you know, some Russian girl. I'm going girl, down in the seat. Me, you know, Tati's mentality. I'm gonna die, you know, like right. not a word, but I'm anxious beyond belief, right? Because this is the ultimate fear. We're gonna well, die this now. This was fight. You were having a fight right. reaction versus flight because there was right. nowhere to go. There's no way. You, you, there's, so that's, you were going to tough it up, martyr it out, and get through exactly. it. Exactly. I'm just holding on, like, you know, trying to oh my keep God. my heart rate. And I didn't panic, right? My heart rate shot up, obviously. Because that's, that's a good reaction because it. because it was a violent situation. Right. So that's normal to happen. But I stayed in it, stayed conscious, didn't shriek, didn't, didn't faint or try to run or do anything. Other people were shrieking. That is terrifying. There was this um, veteran sitting there, shut up, he's yelling. He's yelling at people to shut up. Because it makes it worse. It makes for it him, you know, die in peace. <laughs> <laughs> and this went on for a couple minutes and it was really horrible and it, it, it chilled out. How long out. was it? It felt like forever, obviously. But, but it was probably just a couple minutes. Maybe it was five ten minutes. It, it was pre- it wasn't just short. It was it was a little long and like well, you hear was... the plane trying to get through it, like they're thrusting the engines full and then they're letting Ooh. off and it's quiet. 
<laughs> and then they're thrusting again because they, oh, I think crazy. they try to speed through it sometimes if you can't avoid it. I don't know what. It was horrible. I've flown probably, I don't know, 20, 30 times. Never That's happened. never happened. And they're almost always turbulence. These are the not, kind of things close. you hear about in articles because it's not so, it's, it's unusual. It right. doesn't happen all the time. Now, what happened? This was a couple years ago. That didn't stop me from flying. If anything, I went home naturally. I have to research. I have to know. And I'm researching wings and turbulence and how strong planes are. Can a plane fall apart from turbulence? I need to know these things. Will I survive this the next time it happens? And you watch Boeing videos, how they construct wings and how much pressure it can handle. It could, it could, I I spoke to your, to your husband, Zushi, about it. Yeah. Um, it could help settle some stupid thoughts because the statistics are great. The wings are strong. They're not falling apart from turbulence. But if you agonize, again, compartmentalization, if you agonize over those videos, it'll create subconscious fears. Yes, that makes sense. Mommy mentioned on Shabbos uh, this person's podcast who he, he did drugs. He was clean, him and his buddy. Yes, they did this podcast. Yes, yes. And then his buddy... Relapsed. Relapsed after he had some drugs. He was he was years of clean. And and what I thought what I thought about that was that you know law of attraction, both of you guys are clean, but your whole life revolves around Around. talking about you literally think law of attraction. You're all day you're talking about drugs and 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 people who are addicted and and the idea of relapsing. You 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 surround your life and and guess what? Your life is surrounded by that. It happened to one of the guys, and then he and he died from the overdose. Yeah. One of the the podcast hosts had hurt himself. He got some painkillers, and he relapsed, and he yeah. passed away. Yeah. And the other guy is still doing a podcast. Yeah. In that sense, it's the agonizing. It's the law of attraction. How much energy are you putting into the fear and the pain? And this is what I was discussing with Zach. And how much energy are you putting into the healing? Right. And the growing. So I watch some videos. I don't agonize over the videos. There was at some... Okay, so I watch the videos. They make me feel better. The planes are strong. They're not falling apart from turbulence. I had a well, bad experience. to endure something like right. that. Then there are people who watch and watch and watch. And I've done this myself because I fall into these cycles. I have anxiety. I'm that personality that does these stupid patterns and, and triggers myself and creates these issues. But I'm also aware enough and educated enough to get myself out of it. So this other time, we were planning, me and my friend were planning to go with our families to uh, to Florida for Pesach. Mm-hmm. And I was, I think it was during the Trump elections or something, maybe a couple of years ago. A little before, and we're, we're we're partners in e-commerce, and we're, and I'm sitting and watching these airplane videos and different things, mm-hmm. and I built up a little bit of a phobia, and this comes to show. And I fly every year. You think you have it under control? You think you're comfortable? If you do the wrong things, within a couple of weeks, you could just build up a fear. I'm watching these videos, and I just don't feel comfortable flying. And me and him build up this little phobia about flying. So you guys, like you're driving. thinking in your mind, the plane's gonna crash. Right, sadist. So what do we do? We convince the women that they should fly with the kids and, and we'll drive. drive. <laughs> this is what it means. But that was avoidance behavior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and we were and I knew nothing's gonna happen on the plane. It's not like I'm sending my wife but, on a plane that's gonna crash and they're gonna die. I know about, it's stupidity. I wanna tell you more about avoidance behavior. Sure. You lie to yourself. You make it your truth. <laughs> you make it your truth. Oh yeah. You oh, had man. every good reason in the book to be driving. You brought the food. You brought oh, yeah. the, the luggage. The minivan was packed. 
24 hours in the car instead of jumping on a couple hour flight because we're bugging out that something's going to go wrong. So that's the problem with avoidance behavior. And if you're going to give into that and always, always go with avoidance behavior, the anxiety morphs into this huge, unstoppable monster. It's like a, a snowball. It when gets it starts worse rolling, and it worse. gets bigger. And so bigger. after that, and, and that's exactly how I felt inside, now you didn't fly, let's say, for eight months. And the bigger the gap gets, the bigger the phobia gets. I was telling Zach, force yourself to fly and fly often because you never get away from that little anxiousness rather than build up the huge anxiousness that you get when you have the when you're when you avoid it. But like, I checked, and this was a couple years ago. This was just a couple years ago, and, and I'm flying every year. And you still have uncomfortableness. I just built right? it up over a couple weeks. But you still have inco- uncomfortableness. Sure. I get Same on the here. plane. The pilot says there's a mechanical it. issue. I'm freaking I out. I think about it. I'm nervous, but I breathe through it. Oh, what I wanted to say then was that, so I'm sitting there with my girlfriend. Not e- Nothing even crosses her mind that there's anything potentially, because there is nothing wrong. <laughs> This is a normal person that doesn't have anxiety. Well, this is a person who also doesn't have an overactive imagination. Right. It Nothing triggers them. There's turbulence, nothing. It's like a right. bump on the road. Right. And indeed, turbulence is so frequent and common almost on every plane, right? It is like bumps on a road. Yeah. And I've tried to tell myself that and, and, and be very mindful and kind of meditate on that. It, I still kiss the ground every time I drive. <laughs> ultimately grateful okay. you're driving on the road you're going to have bumps it's the you know same what? it's the same thing the, the actual statistics of a a, a car of auto accident are much and a worse place yeah. are, are much yeah. higher even, yeah. even dying in car accidents the you know thinking about driving higher. out to florida for 24 hours and i'm thinking about all those uh, so people say well it's the way you die if something goes wrong in the ear you have such a low chance of surviving and and you have all that fear going down in a car. It's quick. It's over. You know. The bottom but line is that comes back down to yeah. accepting the idea of death. Right. Yes, you may and, have the and, worst and fear and of your life for one or two minutes. Go. Because when you're on a plane, you have no control. Really, it's synonymous. Truthfully, we never have control. There's only it's like limited our control. Our control is only in the actual actions that we do. Well, this is one of the ways to... But to, even in a car, you're not necessarily in control. If somebody smacks into you... This is one of the ways to start learning how to let go. The mindfulness yeah. that there's there's a God, there's a divine, there's a bigger picture, bigger than your control, yeah. and regardless of where it is, yeah. will help you understand that if you're supposed to die in a plane where you're dying in a plane, right? If you're supposed to die in a car, you're dying in a car. If you're supposed to die, you're dying. Right. Stop ca- start trying to control when you. That's like the one thing we don't control. If we control anything, is when you we die. Like I'll just avoid thinking about. <laughs> of course, that's natural. We, yeah. It's but that's connected to the fear. That's why that that brings it back full circle to that idea of that has to. We have to package that up, and along our journey of dealing with anxiety, with all these tricks and mindfulness and meditations and all these yeah. different things, that works. That's also there. Never. Because when, when you want to run and hide from it, mm-hmm. you remind yourself, oh, it's it's supposed to be there. Yeah. Don't run away from it. I still have to That's get... That's your inner voice. I have to get control you. over you. I have to be comfortable with the idea that right. I'm going to die. And how I die is not up to me. Right. Um, so that always has to be there. Um, really amazing. So now... now we could talk about some other other tricks and other types of anxiety. So that's plane rides. So you know what's interesting? I don't have a fear of heights if I'm enclosed in an airplane, for example. Um, and I built up an anxiety over the past year or two. Being on the side of a building really high up creates this 
this anxiety in me. Yeah. Like if I'm on an elevator in the Sheraton Hotel going up, looking, looking down, down, there's such, something about that visual that is just so... Yeah, <gasps> yeah. yeah. Well, I did um, trapeze on the, on, the, on the west side of Manhattan. It was terrifying. I, but it was the same concept of letting go. You're holding this rope, this bar on a rope, but you're, I don't know how many stories up. I get, you need to walk off that ledge. I get dizzy just visualizing what you're saying. Like I'm sweating talking yeah, because about I Like my think, palms are starting to yes, sweat. Yes, if I think about the visuals of that kind of, I, I literally get so dizzy. So I was taken there for a trip as a treat, as a surprise, and I forced myself to do it. And I think we had three or four or five chances to go climb up that ladder and do it. And I forced myself to do it. If I wanted to be comfortable, I would have avoided it. I was extremely uncomfortable doing it, but I did it. So I felt like I was building up a fear of heights, like similar to that yeah. kind of issue yeah. recently. Um, and I want to face it head on, which is really interesting. It's, it's funny how nuanced anxieties are for each person. For example, I could jump off of a one or two story um, porch. I no could, problem. I could jump high. <laughs> right. It's within range. Yeah. But I realized once you get certain uh, past a certain range, anxiety starts kicking in. Right. So I went to the indoor rock climbing mm -hmm. in this in the past couple months. And just uh, a couple weeks ago. A couple weeks ago, I wanted to face it head on. I don't want it to get worse. Like that. That's good. So I, I I'm climbing up these walls, and sure enough, ten feet fine, twenty feet fine. After twenty feet, it just starts kicking in. I'm on a rope. If I let go, I'm fine. You're hanging. You're, you're protected. <laughs> She's telling me, go, keep keep climbing. And, okay, I'm processing it. I'm going to keep climbing. And as as I climb higher and higher, and this is the first time I'm rock climbing also, Yeah. my hands and muscles are tensing up tensing so up. much because of the fear yeah. and anxiety that's yeah. just the phobia that's rushing yeah. in my mind. You, you start seizing up. When I'm you getting closer to the top, I can't even open my fingers because so they're so tight and they're completely like, and I don't want to let go. And, and I know I had to let go for the first time to feel that rope. That's what you should, You just kick off and let go. You, you, you kind of like glide a couple of feet. I, I forced myself to do it. Now, that anxiety is fresh. It's, it didn't go away. I still right. have that. That's, that's a recent one. I'm showing mm -hmm. you how it shifts. First, it's planes. I get pretty comfortable with planes. Now it's, now it's heights, a specific type of height. Right, right. I let go and I do it again and I didn't overcome it. I, I, I rock climbed a couple times yeah. there. I had it. I, I couldn't get it under control in that one session. But that doesn't mean you give up. I just continue to do things. Now, when we go hiking, we've gone hiking. Yeah. Right. We've gone You're up there. You're talking about that, that, that rock climbing one. What was right. I forgot what the trail is called. That's exactly what I'm referring to. When we climb up that. So here's it ties into a little trick. Really, really interesting stuff that I just figured out on my own. When we climbed up that thing, it's one mile up or so, 1.5 or something. That's it? A mile, a mile and a half. Yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty high. Our adrenaline is high because we're working out. Right. When you get to the top and you have these overlooks, I don't have anxiety of that. I can stand near the ledge when my adrenaline is high. When it's low. That helped me realize something very, very interesting for people who have anxiety and want some tricks to deal with stuff. Um. Adrenaline is stronger than anxiousness. And I've known this for some mm -hmm. time and I've used it in various ways. Adrenaline, whatever is releasing, adrenaline is stronger than anxiousness. If you are getting anxious, for example, another example, I, I'm having a meeting in business with some woman. 
Um, and I used to get anxious in those kinds of settings. And I could potentially still get anxious if, if I'm going to meet somebody. Okay, so I'm having a meeting. It's more fo- on the formal end, so mm-hmm. it's more anxiety. And in middle, I just start a little like, hyperventilate, like I'm breathing wrong, and it's kicking in. Right, right. I tell her, I excuse myself. My partner might have been there, so they might have conversed. I have to check something in the warehouse. I go out. Take a deep breath. And I did push-ups. I dropped mm. down. I started doing push-ups. And they give you adrenaline. Adrenaline goes up. It's stronger than anxiety. I come back in. I finish the meeting. That's awesome. So these are these are examples. So I've learned. So recently, one of our brothers, we were on a camping trip. Um, he had a bad panic attack. Um, it kicked in. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. We're just out of the blue. He's just having a bad, bad panic attack. So... I'm holding him close. I'm just, you know, it's, it's okay. You know, you just right. breathe. Mm-hmm. Phobias. And I told him, you know, try some push-ups. There's two things that are happening. If you're going to try to do adrenaline-based activities while you're having anxiety, two things. And he was having a hard time doing it, but he was forcing himself to do it. Two things are happening. If you force yourself to focus on something other than your stupid thoughts while you're bugging out. Well, that goes back to the DBT that I talked about. Right. You're breaking the cycle of your thoughts. Yeah. Okay. It's it's extremely difficult to do it. Your your brain well, when you're at the wants point of to... a panic attack. It could be. Really, That's what I mean. Really this hard. was in the middle of a panic attack. He's hyperventilating. He thinks he's gonna die. First, you know, you calm. You're trying to calm him down, but that doesn't really help. No. I've had people try to calm me down. You're bugging out. You're bugging out. Your brain right. is playing games. It needs to like. Um, and any... it needs to like. It's like a storm. It needs to kind of right. Blow through you and pass. One of the ways to quickly try to do that is to do to get to get your adrenaline, to get your mind off of it, to get your thoughts off of it. So I'm telling him, drop down and do some push-ups. I know it's hard to do now, but that's exactly why it's going to work. Did it help him? Because you, it's so difficult to get your mind off of the, the, the fear-inducing thoughts. You are almost addicted to it. You want to feed it. Now, what? I have to go do push-ups while I'm bugging out? No. So these are two tricks integrated into one. Try something adrenaline. Try bringing up your adrenaline next time you get anxious. Anything. Anything stupid and mundane. You're not going to want to because you want to feed that fear uh, subconsciously. You want to be paralyzed by it. Right. You want to be in Your body. It's not, it's not you. Your soul wants to be free. It wants to feel good. But your body is entrapping itself in these fears and it wants to feed it because mm. it thinks it's fight or flight right now. Mm. But it's not. And the way to snap out of it is to do something completely mundane. So... Adrenaline, very interesting. I found that adrenaline is stronger than anxiety. If you're on the side, like, if you have a fear of heights, but the building's on fire and you need to save someone, you'll find yourself being able to walk on the ledge, grabbing the person. You'll do something that you wouldn't otherwise be able to do because your adrenaline is high. And adrenaline is there to to help you in that sense. So that's one trick. Try that. If you're having anxiety, a panic attack, do force yourself to do mundane things think mundane things have a conversation with someone instead of closing your eyes and and agonizing and grabbing your head and like you know well, you well, grab yourself you're trying to will, uh, pace right but you know what sometimes it's also helpful to be in it to come and be in it because what's actually happening is they're racing ahead or they're yes. stuck in the past yes you're touching on all the goodies let's go to the next thing <laughs> So the granted you understand that there's letting go and mindfulness. This is already next level, mm-hmm. right? What I just explained was a physical trick. 
I've found that adrenaline is stronger. So you could do adrenaline-based right, activities. Okay, right. Now, well, 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 that also touched in the the sensory that I told you earlier. So sometimes people will take a bath to calm them down. Right. I was going to get to that or also. Shower. Yeah. I'll, I'll expi- we'll I'll, That's really interesting because there's, 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 there's reasons the for that. The five senses. Hearing, um, smelling, touching. So le- letting go is, is, is mental. Right. If you're bugging out, let's say, abnor- let's, let's say abnormal heart rate bugs you out. Whatever it is that's bugging you out. You're, you're having a panic attack. You're about to have a panic attack. Something's triggering you. This, these take years to master. But learn to let go. So for, I'll give you an example. I, I would have heart palpitations. Many people do. It's normal. My heart palpitation would cause me to freak out that I'm going to have a heart attack or I'm dying or something's happening. Right. So you want to do something. So then next thing you know, I have bad anxiety attack because, because I had a heart palpitation. Right. I learned, and this is partially because I got more comfortable with the idea of death, but I've learned I don't care. And it works two ways. You ask yourself, what's going to happen, okay? I have a heart attack, I don't care. Um, I'm going to die, I don't care. I don't know if it's I don't care, or it's at least I know these are the two things, and I know what I'm facing. So that's the worst case scenario. Yeah, okay? meaning... So it can't be worse than that. That's what I'm saying. When you get to the level of... But you know what that is? It doesn't matter if I don't I care, die. it's awareness. Awareness helps us come to acceptance. Acceptance helps us let right. go. Well, whatever the terminology they use, whether I accept, maybe you could say I accept, but the point is it's, it's the same It's the same phenomenon. Correct. It's it's kicking in and you're accepting it right. or you don't care if it happens. Right. It's like when you fly or you're going to jump out of a plane. What's if the parachute doesn't pull? I don't care. I'm, I'm ready. I, I accept. I accept. So maybe I accept is a better term for it, but it's... This is, this is a real when method. When you're giving your brain the facts, your brain can calm down. Right. Because it's only... It's not running wild. Now, a lot of people say, no, I do care. I don't want to have a heart attack. Of course you don't. Nobody wants to. But this is this is part of the process. Like, you literally have to go through these functions to gain mental faculties in order to deal well, with these things. Well, that's why I said it's not I don't care. But at least I know what I'm facing. This is the worst case scenario. When I say I don't I care, I'm, I'm going to an even deeper level. It doesn't matter. Why it doesn't it matter? matter? Right. Because after one minute, you'll be dead. Now, you go to the next world if you believe in that, or if you don't, it doesn't matter either way because it's going to pass within a minute and you'll either be dead or not. More likely, you won't be. <laughs> <laughs> but that also comes back to comfortability with death. That's what I said. It ties directly into the idea of getting comfortable dying. Right. So maybe you have to go through the worst fear of your life, falling in that airplane for a couple minutes or a minute, but then it'll be over. Yeah. If you get comfortable with the fact that you may have to go through some trauma and you accept it and you don't care. And this is, but this is a real method. This is a real practice that you have to do. There are different areas. There's the physical, like we said, but these are mental stuff. When it starts kicking in, well, there's a it's, level it's of letting go. There's a lot of. So I did that with heart palpitations, for example. Now, if I have a heart palpitation, I just ignore okay. it, and, and exactly. it doesn't trigger anything anymore. I've said this it's so many gone. times to people. Like I could be having active anxiety, 
my my heart rate's irregular i'm having a hard time concentrating but i could do my regular daily functions and because i work through them because i continue with my day as usual it's gotten so much less yeah. and it's not that i'm denying that it's there I'm completely aware oh, no, that it's there, but I'm allowing it to be there yeah. instead of fighting it. That's the big difference. It's a bunch of it's a bunch of misplaced puzzle pieces, and when yeah. you put them into place, they're all yeah. there. They're just in place. Right. Um, another example. I told you that the weed would, would build up a social anxiety. Mm-hmm. So I, I would start building up these issues. This is when I was a little bit younger, going into let's say simchas and events and what did i do again i didn't let it i know i have friends who don't socialize they built up these kinds of social anxieties they do not socialize these are real this is real life implications yeah i I never allowed it so what i would do is i would fight it now there's this method of fighting it like head on which you don't necessarily have to do for example if come in and be loud exactly if i was going into wedding hall instead of slipping in the back door in order to fight it, I would walk straight into the middle, go straight yeah. to the bride or groom and say Mazel Tov. And now in my mind, yeah. this was this whole battle and I became center of attention and this is horrible. Right. But I had to fight it in this gruesome way. Yeah. In order to... In order it to was like be, all or none. Right. In order to be okay with just being a normal person. And so you don't have to do that. You don't have to, but it is another method. My point is there's this idea of fighting it head on. Another person would just wouldn't go. I no, never allowed I'm myself you could to do walk that. Walk in, you know, say hi to a couple of people that you know, kind of warm up, right. and then make your way into the center. Right. No, doing that is also it's a flaw in the thought process of a person who has anxiety. Right. A person who is socially anxious is probably because they're socially awkward, also, or they think they're socially awkward, and they create awkwardness because of their own thoughts. You don't have to do the head-on thing. You could come in like a normal person, and despite the fact that you think you come across as weird or socially weird, you don't. And just be a normal person. Come in, say hi, sit down. You don't have to talk. You don't have to become right. center of attention. Right. You don't, there are, these are different approaches for different people, but you don't have to. But you know what else also? Sometimes you're overcompensating for that uncomfortableness sure. by being Overly That's what I'm saying. Loud. The idea of walking in, right. to being so bold is is, is overcompensating. It's like a fluke in, in, the, in the mind of a person who's anxious because they think they're going to solve their issue by being dumb. By <laughs> well, being it's not bold. dumb, but being bold. Yeah, they're going to be being bold. Out there, or yeah. Very interesting. Anyone could have anxiety. We have a very flamboyant family, and from an outsider's perspective, they could think. Well, they're so confident so and confident. maybe articulate and, and right. different things, but never confuse somebody who has the some of the biggest people, biggest speakers deal with hardcore anxiety. Biggest personalities. Yeah. Never confuse it to anyone could have Absolutely. anxiety. And, and, and in fact, everybody does in different areas. You know, the biggest, toughest guy might have anxiety when it comes to expressing himself to his spouse. Everybody has anxiety um, and, it, and, it's, and it's a matter of identifying it and not and well, dealing with it. Where, how, it's, how it's expressing itself. A lot of people don't even know where they have anxiety because they avoid it so well. For example, if you grow up and your family is anxiety prone because it's in your DNA, let's say eight of the, eight of the 11 siblings know that they have anxiety, they're aware of it. 
um, and they're not shy about it. So maybe they work on it or they don't. But, you know, the other three, for example, let's say they may get they may get anxious in a social setting. They but they've built up such big walls. They've never gone to social setting, but they don't think of it in terms of anxiety. They just think of it in terms of preference. Like, oh, I don't like, I don't do right. those things. Right, but really, it's because you never acknowledged and faced your anxiety. So in every person, there's anxiety and there's areas of discomfort. Mm-hmm. It's important to identify fine because that makes you a normal, social, likable person. Well, understand why you do things the way you do things. Because many times you're doing it because, what I said earlier, you're almost lying to yourself. You know, or you're not aware. You're not lying. Right. Well, that's the idea. But you're not aware of why you're acting the way you're acting. Socializing is a normal, healthy thing that humans do. Right. If you, if you say you don't like socializing because really you feel anxious and socially awkward right. when you're there, but right. you don't admit that, that means you have an anxiety that's crippling you in a, in a certain area of life and potential. So, you know, that's, that's really important. Regarding some other tricks, you mentioned bath. Okay, so back to some physical stuff. I said adrenaline. It's major, major senses. trick. The five senses. Okay, so I've found hot baths to work well if I was panicking. And when I say hot, I mean scorching. Some people do cold, by the way. It, it, it triggers different, different types of, of senses, but it's a similar type of... Okay, so I, what I found... Okay, now... Baths. Why do baths work? Hugs. You know, they make weighted blankets. Blankets blankets that weigh a little bit more. I think it's rooted possibly in the idea of being in a mother's womb. Where you're protected, warm, and contained. Mm -hmm. Um, It may be rooted in that. They're not 100% sure. But physical touch, a hug being hugged or cuddling in a blanket, being in very hot water, which feels like there's a couple parts to it. I've realized in the hot water, mm-hmm. which I haven't done in a long time, which is an indication that I haven't had that kind of anxiety or panic in a long yeah. time, very yeah. long time, which is cool yeah. to think about right now. But right. hot water does a couple things. First of all, it burns your skin. So it, it takes the, the thought where you're, you know, because you're panicking, right? And you're in this mole of thinking about, well, and it, and it, and it, um, it distracts it by the burn. Well, you know why? Because often when you're in an emotional state, you're feeling it physically. Oh, for you're sure. Sensing it physically. Which brings me, which brings me to this. This ties into another concept. Why warm? So I never heard of people that? who have anxiety going into cold, but I could tell you about warm. So when you change what you're feeling physically, it could actually change your thoughts also. So you're getting into this hot bath. Your skin is sensing something else. Yeah. Well, there's a couple things happening. First of all, it's distracting you because if it's abnormal temperature, if it's cold or hot, first it's distracting you. How hot are you talking? (laughs) We're talking hot. I do it hotter than a hot tub. I, I do it so hot that it takes me like 30 seconds to a minute or two to get fully in it. It burns. I don't do it that hot. Only when I'm having a panic attack and I want to and bring... It helps you. So first of all, it's distracting. So it's right away taking your mind, oh, wow, this is hot. You're right, putting your foot right. in it. It's almost like distracting yourself with push-ups. Right. It's a distraction. It's breaking the cycle. So it's, it's breaking the cycle of your thoughts. Right. But your, your, your heart rate might still be anxious. 
So you're stepping into boiling hot water. First is distracting you. Second, it feels comforting because the water is almost comforting. hugging you. Right. The hot water, you feel that embrace of it. So there's two, two three concepts there alone. I've noticed a, a strong correlation mm -hmm. between cold and anxiety. Think about this. What happens when you're anxious? Your heart your chest area gets fluttery and that's also panic and that's um hyperventilate mm -hmm. hyperventilating your fingers might get cold and it's your heart it's not pumping the blood properly right. so then your fingers get cold. that happens when you have anxiety mm -hmm. that also happens when you get cold when you get really cold your heart rate starts getting it can't catch his breath right there's an interesting correlation there If you're, it, it shows, it's almost like your mind triggers your anxiety to do the same thing as what, what happens when you're cold. So that's why cold wouldn't work. I don't think it would I don't know me. if cold. I had never heard of cold until one person told me. Did they go into a cold bath they go into a when cold they're shower, anxious? When they wanted the, when the, when they want to break the, the cycle of ruminating, overthinking. Oh, that for sure. Because that, because of sensory. Yeah. So the, the thought of it being so cold will take you off your thoughts on other things. That makes sense. But this is more anxiety. Talking about the heart here. Yeah. Your heart gets fluttery when you're physically cold, you're, when you're in snow. Right. And when you start getting uncomfortable, you get you build up. But your mind doesn't tell you that you're anxious in that sense. But when you have anxiety, your heart feels almost the same way mm -hmm. when you give it warmth and comfort, it settles it back down. So it's very interesting. I've also noticed that, you know, when I've gotten cold, like you, it's almost yeah. like anxiety. Yeah. And you want to go back to warmth. You're tense comfort. up. You're, 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 um, it's the same type of symptoms. Yeah. symptoms. Um, yeah. Very, very interesting. There's this correlation between cold the way that you react physically when you're cold and the way that you react physically when you're anxious and how warmth and comfort and hugs and embracement yeah. helps that. Very, yeah. very interesting. So true. Then there are mental and meditative, mindful ways, therapeutic ways to deal with anxiety. I've... I've literally done all of these things. I I'm not putting this say, out as like a multiple choice. Let me choose two. If somebody's dealing with hardcore anxiety, <laughs> you need to change your life and, and literally do all of these things if you want to get it under control. So I'm going to say more. Something like meditation is always brought up onto the table. And yeah. I had a very hard time doing it until very recently. So it's possible that when you're in a panic zone, or at the beginning of healing, you won't be able to quiet your mind and come to the moment. It's practice, 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 practice. So it took me a couple of years to finally be in a place where now I could turn on a meditation and I actually usually fall asleep, which is good because that means I'm in the moment. I'm really just in it, breathing it, feeling it. What did you have a hard? What did you have a hard time with? Was it uh, being alone with your thoughts or being when I calm try enough? To quiet my mind. Or when you quiet your mind because you're doing meditation, so you're just sitting and it's quiet, the thoughts would start flooding. 
And I heard another doctor talking about that. And she said it doesn't always work for people with high anxiety. So actually trying to meditate when you're in an episode might not work. And that's okay. Yeah, I, I haven't found that meditation is something meditation that you use helps, while you're panicking. Right. So meditation helps as a practice to do when you're not. Yeah, because it teaches anxious. you mindfulness, right. control of thought. Not it's, not when you're anxious. No, no, you, you don't do that when you're anxious. When you're anxious, you could do the physical stuff. Correct. And you could do some of the mental stuff Correct. like um, accepting. Um, Through and, meditation, you learn what it means to be in the moment. You learn what it is to listen to your breathing. Breathing. When you listen to your breathing, you're in this moment. And then your thoughts wander away, and then you just bring it back to focusing on your breathing. So it's really great, but I like, I, I like, I, I think I want people to know that it took me time because I think that we expect ourselves to just use it and have it and just have it available right away. And I know for me, it took, it, it took time to build that. No, it takes so much time. Yeah. Anyone who has serious anxiety has to acknowledge and think of it and, and see it as just a lifelong thing that they're always going to deal with on a certain level. It's it part of who though. you are. It's part of who you are. It gets a lot better, though. So again, yeah, when, well, you're going to conquer one. You're going to have it in another area. True. But does the, the intent, like you said before, the intensity, the intensity no. goes away. No. It's been years since I had a panic attack. That's what I'm saying. A hundred percent, you're going to get the nastiness of it under control yeah. if you work on it. Yeah. And mind you, I do all the things that would have triggered it in the past. Right. So, no, I'm not getting panic attacks. But... Like I said, rock climbing, I'm so anxious that my, I can't even open my fingers. You'll practice it enough and you'll you'll, you'll get used to it. You'll, and you'll even, teach your DNA to be okay right. with it. You'll teach your brain that this process is safe. It's okay. Mindfulness. That's why I've been taking Yako for um, ice skating. You know, he had broken his leg um, rollerblading in the summer. He has an intense fear of you know getting back into uh, skates and I've been taking him ice skating and he's still terrified and I know it's just something that's going to take years for him to Yaakov your son how old is yeah. he? he is 11 that brings me back to the thought that I wanted to share earlier um, Matanel my son who is 5 um, when we're talking about DNA and how it runs in blood it is so innate it is so there that I see it in my, in, my, in my son, and I saw it right away. As soon as I was able to gauge any human behavior in, in a baby and a toddler, I was able to see his shyness and social awkwardness. Now he's five, it's apparent. If I walk in anywhere into any kind of social setting, he's you hiding, he's grabbing my legs, hiding behind me, right? 20, 30 minutes, he gets comfortable, then he then sent their fine. attention, but... Mm -hmm. That's not from nurture. I had my social anxiety under control from before he was born. I never shied away from socializing. I have a lot of friends. It's so th th there's no nurture part of that. He didn't see that in me. It's in the DNA. Yeah. He was shy literally from when you can see at one, two years old. Whatever kind of early indications you could possibly see in your kid and a parent could see it pretty early on. It's there. And this is what it means. That it's, it's literally in your DNA. You're yeah. either a shy and anxious type of person. And that's part of your personality. And then you work with it. And there's nothing... 
I don't know how to like properly express it. Not only is there nothing wrong with it, it's it's beautiful if you get to the level of education of understanding how beautiful it is because it's who you are. It's what makes you you. If you, it's what makes you so unique. It's if it's you part properly, of what makes you you. If you properly develop it, you could use it in a, in a very good way. Meaning, if you're the person that there's two options. If you're the person that has anxiety, it, well, and it gives hides you from it, and understanding to other people because you know. How to feel so intensely. There's, that's one of a trillion benefits. Yeah. If you're the type of person that has anxiety and you shy away from it. And you build up walls and phobias and you don't do things because of it. Mm-hmm. Then it's a lot of wasted potential. You didn't live your life to your fullest. If you face it head on meaning you're developing your anxiety into good attributes and great things, then it is literally the manifestation of who of your soul and potential. For sure. Meaning you looking in retrospect, if you live that way, you could say that you you lived your life in the way that it was kind of meant to be or the, in the potential yeah. that it could have been. But if you don't, then you can't say that because right. it's, so it's like this ultimate expression. Because working through it is your growth. Working through it is what creates you and makes you. That's what I'm saying. It's like, it's hard to it's explain. It's so deep in so many levels. It's, it's a very deep concept that not only it's not bad, it'll make you the ultimate you. Yeah. That character development if you could work to express and get your anxiety under control, will be the ultimate manifestation and display of your soul, your being, your, your personality. Your potential. Really, really amazing. Um, there's another thing that I wanted to mention. There's so many things that I'm forgetting and, and, and it's just coming back it's to me. Bad. It's Don't overthink is another trick. Don't overthink things. It's so easy to say that. <laughs> I say it and I overthink a million things, but it's it's still a tool that needs that, that could and needs to be used. If you want to do something, if you want to go somewhere, if you want to be something, anxiety is the worst when you think too much, right? We know the more the more you think about something, the bigger the chances are that you won't do it. Not the other way around. But a little bit of anxiety could give you the adrenaline to do well also. So it's not always bad. In in healthy real life scenario, if, if you're uh, if you're a volleyball player, you need to be anxious before a game to do well and to kick ass. But in the sense that you shouldn't overthink it going into it, that will get you to do things. It could be the most mundane thing. If you want to go to gym now, if you overthink it, You're not gonna the go. likelihood, it's more than a 50% chance that you <laughs> won't go. go. If you thought gym and you jumped in the car a minute later, you are going to go. Yeah. So there's this aspect of overthinking and people who have anxiety overthink and shy away. I'll give you a story. 
not a story, but a real life scenario. So for the past year or two, for the past year or two, I um, I've been watching arm wrestling videos on YouTube. I think it's a fascinating sport. It's a it's a small sport. It's up and coming. It's growing. I mean, it's been around for a long time, but it's growing. You know, mm-hmm. it's becoming a, a real national, international, whatever. Um, there aren't any clubs near where we live. If there was, I would probably stop by, check it out. There aren't any clubs. It's real underground. Like, there's no real website. There's no... Just to figure out where to go practice, right. where to do it with people. You know, your, your friends are not. My friends don't want to arm wrestle with me. <laughs> <laughs> I want to freaking arm wrestle. Right. Um... So I, I did the research. Somehow I get on this mailing list and I get these emails that there's practice in, in Brooklyn or Queens every okay. week. So every couple of weeks I get this email, practice tonight. Now, because it's not local, now think about this. So I get these emails. I ignore them on a, such a subconscious level. Why? Because deep, deep down, I'm not the person that just thinks and does. In fact, I'm the opposite. I'm programmed like an, like an anxious person. This is weird. A practice in Queens, people I don't know in a new sport I've never I'm done. Gonna drive an hour, I'm gonna go <laughs> go over bridges for this. Now, obviously, I'm not thinking all this stuff, right? Consciously, but subconsciously, all subconsciously, of that is there. Subconsciously, it's there. But what's coming up? An uncomfortable feeling. I want to go. No. Right. Behind I, that, I, no. I don't even do that. I just Behind I completely that, no. ignore that. Like it just means nothing to me. The email. Exactly. I'm so subconsciously denying it. This is, this is how people are programmed that, that are anxious. And this is what we said before. It holds you back from life. So, again, that's where we come back to awareness. When you're saying a no, when you suddenly realize that you're having that uncomfortable feeling, asking yourself, why? Yeah. This is a mental process that takes years and yeah. years of awareness. awareness. Just yesterday, the email comes in again. So, this is what I mean by don't overthink. You want, you're into something because this will actualize your potential. Right. You're into something... Just go do it without thinking. Right. Your husband or somebody you know, you know, maybe they're watching baseball all day. They love baseball or football. But they block themselves from the thought of going here locally and joining a little group of guys that are playing amateurs, you know. Why? Because of what I just explained. Right. You're not even allowing yourself to even think in such terms because you're programmed like an, an anxious person. You're so deeply and subconsciously blocking it out. Me on a baseball field throwing up. I watch on YouTube. So the truth is that we do avoidance behavior. We all do avoidance behaviors to some degree. We do it in life in general, but the anxious person has it so deeply rooted yeah. that they don't even think like a healthy, a healthy person thinks, oh, that's cool. I want to go for dance lessons. A week, a day later, they had dance <laughs> lessons. Uh, right. the, the anxiety person says, I love, I have such a passion for dance for 10 years. Never went Never once. went. <laughs> Right. Sounds so yesterday, familiar. yesterday I got the email and I'm thinking about it. I, I, I messaged my friend that you want to go. Uh, he, didn't, he didn't feel like driving to the Queens. And I'm thinking back and forth. And I, I know all these things. Oh, let me not think about it too much. I, I, I want to check it out. There's some questions I want to answer. Like, right. I want to see if, uh, if I like it. If, so did you go? I went. Nice. I, I drove down to Queens. And it was a guy dungeon, stinky, smelly guys who don't use deodorant. And, <laughs> and you're arm wrestling. And, it, and I did it for the first time in my life. Ooh, and, how was it? And it was fun. And That's so cool. And, you know, I was thinking, oh, maybe I'll come back. Like, the, the, the exa- so many times it's fear of the unknown. I've never been here. I've never yeah. done this. I don't know these people. But you do it once and you see that it's nothing. It's not a big deal. Right. 
and all these anxieties that you build up before it, they disappear in a second. Yeah. An anxious person thinks of all these things. First of all, you have to meet people. Second of all, you have to try something. Maybe you're going to have to, if it's a sport-related thing, maybe you're going to lose. And and then there's there's all these thoughts of of unanswered questions. Like, will right. I be good at it? Do I suck? Do I know what I'm doing? Right. All the, right. If you just learn how be to not think so much, just go do Guess what? I did it, and, and all those things, and, and all those things that I might have thought before, I'm never going to think again because it's just it's a past, it's irrelevant. It, yeah. right? This is how people should people with anxiety need to approach things. But You're this interested also comes in something. Back to learning to be in the moment. You make a decision, you follow through with it. Be in the moment with it. Mm-hmm. Now I'm just driving. Now I'm here. Now I'm talking to this guy. Suddenly, there's no anxiety. You're just living it as it's right. happening. Well, that's the concept that you explained earlier that your mm-hmm. anxiety people are always thinking about what's going to be the, something they're worried about or what was they're right. letting what was trigger them and right. they're thinking about what's going to be how things are going to mess up what they're afraid of what's going to happen yep. they're always there or they're, they're not here they're not here and now mm-hmm. so one of these practices is just let um learning how to dial it down um you have a thought you have a passion for something go this is what I mean by the development of it will help you actualize into the because you're so aware as an anxious person of things. Right. And as as you as you get into this journey of working and healing, you're going to be you end up as it is a person who has anxiety is usually more aware than a person who doesn't on a certain level. Um, because there's a direct correlation between awareness and anxiousness yes anxious people are usually aware of more anomalies and, and just stupid little things that's and that's why they're anxious, why they're anxious. Right. so there's a direct connection right. if, if you're more aware you're more prone to get anxious about things because you're aware of things that you shouldn't be aware of right uh, which we've learned that you should because that's that's you that's your guide that's your guiding light that's that's what's going to help actualize your potential right um what was my point if we learn to focus on the things that we really want and forget about all the pointless thoughts, then this is a practice basically that will help us um, achieve things, uh, achieve our potential. Mm-hmm. Now, I had some other thoughts that just popped in that I wanted to mention. Adult coloring books, for example. This, um, These types of things, arts and crafts, very tedious little fine things that you do with your hands helps take your mind off so these are one of these things that you could do it's kind of like meditation you're just sitting at a table maybe some calm background music you're you're doing let's say called adult coloring book or you're doing little arts of arts and crafts this does a couple things but one of the things that it does is that it um it distracts you it's mindfulness it's teaching you subconsciously how to live with your thoughts and yourself and it gets you comfortable with it. And the fact is, when you do these practices, all of them combined for years, you become comfortable with it. So I, essentially, that is what you're trying to do. You can't outsmart anxious thoughts. Your brain is smarter than you. So when you're trying to outsmart it, it'll always outsmart you. You're just basically outsmarting yourself. It's a vicious cycle. You know, the person who has anxiety or who thinks about his anxiety or tries to solve his anxiety just continues to get it in these, in these loops. Because it's they're focusing on it. There's only one way, and that's completely to focus on something else. And then doing things where you're not only focusing on something else, but also having to live with your own thoughts. You, 
with with a progression and time, you will get comfortable with it. Right. You'll find yourself at 25, if your anxiety started at 15, that you're comfortable with your stupid thoughts. They don't scare you anymore. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I haven't panicked in years. Um, nothing has triggered it because the, all the stuff that did trigger it, I got under control. Now, that doesn't mean that something might not turn up in the future that might trigger it, but I'll deal with it as it comes. Um, you become more confident in the in the um, ability to experience it. Only if you work on it. Because we know people where it just gets worse and worse. Phobias build. People don't drive cars. Right. Don't drive anywhere. Don't go anywhere. Well, based on what you just said. Like after a couple right. years. And if, if it pops you, up in a different area. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But had you worked on it before, you build a confidence that you know you'll get through it. If you're if, that person yeah. that works on it. Right. There's this level of, first of all, you're, you're actually achieving things. You're getting over things and things that used to trigger you don't anymore. So right. you're actually progressing. Right, exactly. And then, yeah, when new stuff comes up, it doesn't just doesn't throw you off. It's like, okay, I know how to deal with this. And right. there's going to be a, right. an approach and a system right. to it. Right. Um, so that's like adult coloring books or arts and crafts and those kinds of things. Well, also, it's again mindful. And, you know, I did use coloring books as a way of meditating. Yeah. I still use them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I haven't used mine in a while. A couple times a week. But, yeah. A couple times a week. I also stretch. Puzzles. Puzzles. puzzles really fine puzzles. Um, stretching. Stretching. I do yoga really or stretching. Yeah. Um, with some calm music. I dim the lights. Just all these things that are mindful. Uh, it teaches you a personal prayer in, in spirituality. It's all the same thing. Yeah. Being with yourself. Processing yourself. Your own thoughts. Your own, you know, mm-hmm. th- There's a different level. Personal prayer is you're expressing yourself. That's very a high level of, of meditation. Right. But these other stuff is where you're quiet. You're not talking. You're just processing. You're being in it. Right. Mm-hmm. Taking walks. Also yeah. very healthy and very important. Which brings me to cardio and working out. Cardio yeah. is a very, very important thing. So if, if you're young and you have anxiety and you're new to anxiety, you're trying to deal with anxiety, sign up to gym. You have to be in gym. Lift weights, do cardio, specifically cardio because there's a, a, there's a direct connection as we discussed in the beginning of the podcast, your heart and your heart rate with how your mind because essentially the fear, if you're, let's just put it this way, it, all this whole, this all these last points that I want to make come together. If your heart rate doesn't go up, you're not bugging out. You're not just bugging out from thought but your heart is completely calm. The right. fear is in your heart. How do I know? First of all, what do they give people when they have anxiety? Drugs. We don't know how to deal with it yet, so they give you drugs. What's the drugs do? It, you know, it's uh, stimulation because you know it's serotonin and certain other things. But the serotonin or whatnot, whatever chemicals, is not allowing your heart rate to go up. Right. It's a relaxant. Um, or if your heart rate does go up, the serotonin is strong, so it makes you feel good, so it doesn't bug you out. Right. I had um, a hernia surgery a couple years ago, and I was getting anxious. The thought of being put to sleep bugged me out. I've never had a surgery, right? So I'm freaking out. I'm, I feel like I'd be that way. For sure. Like the first <laughs> time, so I'm thinking, they're like, I'm just getting anxious. So much thought. Yeah. So much thought beforehand. Right. Right. For weeks and months, you already know you're going to do it. So you're thinking, okay, how am I going to react? And now you're already in it. You're there. You're on the table, blah, blah, blah. So, and it was getting a little bad. Like, getting a little, you know, flustered and right. hard to breathe. So I tell the, the nurse or the doctor, I'm, I'm bugging out. So he shot me up with some drugs. Within, and you feel it right away, these are hardcore stuff, right? Whatever it was. 
within five, uh, within um, ten, ten seconds, seconds, you feel it rushing through your blood, and it, like it gets to your heart, and your heart calms down. Now, I may I may have felt good, but that wasn't the highlight. The highlight, because I'm so in tune, was that I'm bugging out. My heart rate's up. I don't feel comfortable. I feel afraid. My heart rate, whatever this did, my heart rate right away dropped. And if my heart is calm, I'm calm. I go into the surgery room with a smile. Right. They ask me how I'm doing. I show them a thumbs up thumbs with a up. smile. I don't even have to talk. I'm good. Right. Lights right. out. Yeah. And then they put you to sleep, you know, and you have a smile on your face. But that brings us to drugs. A calm heart. <laughs> You're right. Well, it all ties together. Because I'll have people telling me, you know, so, so many so, but, times. But wait, but before right. we go to, to the drugs, yeah. the calm heart is what solves the issue. So when you do cardio and you do weightlifting, you're using up your energy. This is what happens. When you're at home at night, a couple hours after a hardcore cardio workout where your heart was racing, your heart is calmer than it was before you went to the gym. Yes, that's a true. A calm heart equals less anxiety. If you have anxiety, you have to work out and do hardcore cardio and weightlifting. You'll deplete yourself physically, which will help you sleep better at night and give you a calm heart. Your resting heart rate will be lower if yeah. you do exercise. You're, you're, you're physically calmer. Yeah. If your heart is calmer, you're, yeah. you're getting less anxious because anxiety ties into the heart. Right. Now, back to the drugs. Yeah. Right? Well, I, was, I gave an example. We're the getting, drugs we were coming down. <laughs> now, the drugs, yeah. Drugs is what is given and prescribed to people who have anxiety because we don't have a real way to deal with this phenomenon. But I'll let you explain. I don't think drugs doesn't solve the issue. Drugs definitely don't solve the issue. And it bothers me when people tell me they're taking drugs. For anxiety. For anxiety. It covers it up. and It, it covers it up. Drug for all mental illness or most mental illness is is a cover-up and, and a way to cope but right. it's not dealing with it's it it's <laughs> not the solution it's definitely but what not. happens is it numbs it so then you're 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 not either dealing with it right so then you never get an opportunity to get off it unless you're willing to go back to that uncom- the uncomfortable feelings yeah. of sitting through it and working through it you got to get go through the scrub brush at some point or another oh yeah <laughs> Um, yeah, there's no easy way out. It's like but then when you're cured, <laughs> when when it's cured, you're fully cured through and through. Well, that that one point is very important. Like um, in Breslov, like the, there's this there's this idea. I mean, all all of Judaism, Hasidus, if you don't cleanse yourself in this world or go through some of these hardships, Bobby also shared that with me. You know, it's it, it's detoxing. You have to go through the pain of a detox or with anxiety, go through the, 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 the years of the pain of it, of, right, of fighting it and dealing with it, of facing it. In order to come out the right. other side. 100%. You're going to go through the pain one way or another. Exactly. Um, really amazing. But drugs don't, don't work. And it, and it certainly Well, it gives a temporary you, relief. But it's not a cure. It's a cover-up. It's, it's a cover-up. It's a short-term remedy to make you feel calm right now. Right. But it doesn't – one thing it doesn't do, and this is like the biggest thing because from a spiritual perspective, you want to live your life to the fullest. We talked about how these characters, these people with anxiety, if if they develop it, it'll, it'll blossom into the perfect version of them. It is impossible for that to happen if you deal with anxiety with drugs. 
Drugs is a cover-up. Right. You'll never deal with it. You'll never get to that stage, to that level of Connection. the self-expression of you, the blossom Awareness. that you are, the potential that you are. Right. So the full, the fullest version, your best right. version of yourself. That is only possible if you face and deal with anxiety head on. And I, and I must say, if somebody that's been dealing with anxiety for years, and I'm sure you'll agree that it's worth it. It's possible and it's worth it. Both. I know 100%. that. I know 100% that I can get bogged down and build up phobias like this. Yeah. With a blink of an eye. You watch yeah. the wrong thing, think the wrong thing. Um, but I don't allow myself. Well, you don't allow yourself to get stuck by it. I just, I do everything in my power not to allow myself to go there. I know the benefits of working on it. And, that, and I know, I I could record for two hours just how difficult it is. I, I, I sympathize. I know the pain, the struggle. I know... All those thoughts when you think that it's stronger than your own brain and, and it's outsmarting you and it's even the healing process scares you and the thought well, of... Well, the healing process is scary because it's uncomfortable at times. It's learning when to you, really when, sit it out. When you have panic. Yeah. When, when you are scared, everything, any thought you think to even try to help yourself, that thought itself scares you. Yeah. There's very, very, very low level anxiety, not low level fundamental level of anxiety which is just the utter fear and anxiousness of existence and nothing yeah. makes sense to you what are we what are we doing here how is all of this possible right these are things that you can never solve but these are things that you could get comfortable with right. I, I, I literally had anxiety and deep philosophical unanswerable thoughts perhaps that led to anxiety. Now, I said my anxiety started when I was 15. That was the first time I had like a panic attack. But I remember fifth grade, fourth grade, certain grades thinking very philosophical thoughts, like thoughts like how is any of this possible mm-hmm. or uh, stuff that you, you should really only think when you're really older on such a deep level. I would quickly avoid it run away because those are a scary thought. Now, yeah. this is just a retrospect. I just remember these couple times when I have these types of thoughts. Right. How is any of this possible? But ultimately, this, as I got older, th- those tr- that led to real anxiety. And when you have anxiety and have those kinds of thoughts, oh no, it, it's destructive. Those are like the, the most disgusting levels of anxiety. Like, you don't feel comfortable in your skin. Right, right. But... And I could go on and on about that, about working on it endlessly and tirelessly, year after year after year, you'll get comfortable in your skin, you'll get comfortable in your expressions and your socializing and basically all of that stuff. So hopefully some of these tips and tricks uh, could help you. It was an utter pleasure. I feel grateful to be able to express all of this and have a conversation about it. Um, so thank you for joining me. I know that sure. I know that a dialogue will help um well you know bring it out much better yeah i'm a peer support specialist and that's really what it is yeah congratulations yeah thank you well it's basically sharing a lived experience and so you know what people need to know is you're not alone you're not crazy for experiencing this and you're definitely just again not alone 
like we're two people talking about how we experience yeah. it and how we work on it and deal with it. So it's very, very common. common it's the thing. ultimate triumph years in when you've conquered most of it, at least the tough ones, the panic, yeah. you get all that under control to say, to, to, to be here, to express it, to talk to others about it and potentially help them, you know, get, get through it. It's really amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Until Let's next time. Again. Yes. God bless. Here's a little extra, a little tidbit that I'm recording on my way home because I was thinking about what we spoke, what we discussed. And of course, needless to say, I forgot a million of my points because I've been wanting to share on the topic of anxiety for a couple of years now. And when I was younger and more involved with the journey, just as I um, recently recorded a breath of fresh outlook, which is me expressing a lot of what I'm going through or how I'm processing things in business, but I'm closely related to those times. It's the same thing with anxiety. As I work on it, get it under control, I, uh, in, in a certain sense, depart from it. I have less of a relationship, less of a connection with it. Because like I said, I don't get panic attacks. Now, it's not to say that I can't get one. I just haven't gotten one in years because I've gotten my anxiety so much under control. So naturally, I've forgotten a lot of what I wanted to share. But leaving Ganeshi and thinking about some of what we discussed sparked my memory about how I used to conceptualize this whole phenomenon. And I just wanted to throw it out there. I, I had conceptualized anxiety as what you put in your input determines your output and how and what are the various ways in which a human has input by what we eat what we listen to what we see and of course what we smell um, and what we feel you know as Ganeshi touched on a little bit it's the five senses and if you want somewhat of a framework to deal with your anxiety this is a certain type of framework that you could use that is perhaps more structured than all of the points that we just threw out there your input determines your output what you take in will determine what you feel outwardly what you will express outwardly and in that sense, it's a couple things that we didn't emphasize. For example, we talked about caffeine, sugar as triggers for us. I should have mentioned it as a point. If you have anxiety, stay away from sugar and caffeine. I can't explain to you how much of an effect that has. The, the stuff you eat has a very, very strong and direct correlation to your anxiety. People who are prone to get anxiety will get triggered from caffeine because caffeine raises your heart rate sugar makes you anxious like like crazy and and there are other foods i had it down to science at some point i was so in tune with what i was eating um i knew exactly how each thing made me feel dairy made me feel a certain way eating meat makes me feel a certain way now food makes everyone feel a certain way different foods make people feel different things uh, people with anxiety are just more in touch now they might not they may not make these connections and that's why I'm I'm sharing this but 
it's a fact that we feel a certain way after we eat something. Protein gives you energy, you know. Drinking a tea calms you down. Tea, I drink a lot of tea. Caffeine-free tea. Put some honey. Learn to eat, drink, calm things. Things that don't have sugar. Things that don't stimulate you. You're a very stimulated person if you're anxious. Everything stimulates you. All the senses. What you eat, what you see, what you drink, what you hear. So, on in terms of eating, what you put into your mouth, the input of what you put into your mouth, let it be healthier, calmer, no sugar, no caffeine type of food. Um, that you will see 100% direct correlation. You'll see it quickly. Another thing, another trick that people often say is to make a little bit of a journal. Keep track of it. If Look, this is, this is all for people who want to get their anxiety under control. Don't give up. It's so easy to, to get those feelings because I know how long anxiety lingers. As we've said, it's, it's your entire life. It's who you are. You're that type of person. So at a certain point, you, you could almost get comfortable with, you know what? I'm not fighting it anymore. This is who I am. I'm going to accept that I don't do this, 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 and this. And I give in to my fears and I'm just going to avoid, you know, avoidance behavior we spoke about. I'm just going to avoid doing this and doing that. Don't do that. You can get past all of the big fears, all of the big triggers. You can figure all of it out. So obviously, this podcast, uh, this episode, um, and all of what we've expressed and what we're expressing now and what I'm saying now is it's just there for people who want to solve it, who don't want to live with it. It can be solved, but remember, it's years of hard work. So input, whatever you put in, is uh, direct is directly correlated to what you feel. What you feel is the output. That's the expression of you. So food, like I said, stay away from sugar and caffeine. Eat healthier. Drink calm things. Stop with the sodas and the syrups. Oh, when you find out and realize how much sugar you possibly or potentially consume a day, you'll. If you cut out the sugar for the most part um, and caffeine, you'll see right away improvements, right away, with anxiety specifically. Don't take caffeine pills, none of that stuff. Five-hour energies, Red Bulls, all, it's all garbage. It's bad for the body. That's what we said. Anxiety is your body telling you you're doing something wrong. One of your five input senses is getting or receiving something wrong you change the pattern in other words you change the behavior when i talk about patterns i'm talking about behaviors i know i've mentioned the word patterns a lot in this episode perhaps and in other ones when i talk about changing patterns it's my way of saying behavior there are things that we do there are patterns that we follow because we're human humans are creatures of habit so we follow these patterns which are nothing but behavior so you change the behaviors now what are some other senses what are some other inputs what we listen to if you're anxiety prone don't listen to nonsense and garbage and action and and fearful things stop listening to the news stop watching horror movies or scary movies um stop listening to doomsday conspiracies 
control what goes into your listen to calm stuff, calm music, positive stuff, people talking about positivity, life, faith, health, healing, spirit, listen to good stuff, um, movies, find a new genre, listen to comedy, watch romance, um, everything you listen and see, you know, they kind of go together, change those habits, those patterns, change those behaviors, find new places to be expressive and to live your life. And you'll see a direct correlation, less radio, less news and media and social media and all that garbage equals less anxiety. Um, same thing with touch. So this is just a framework to, to kind of be with you as you ponder how you want to approach dealing with your fears and anxiousness and panic attacks. Um, just remember these couple principles. Anxiety is your body telling you that something's wrong, something has to change. Your input determines your output. So if the output is off, if you're panicking, if you're getting anxious, something you're putting in is incorrect. Maybe you need help. Maybe you need healing. Maybe you need education. Who knows? It's the guiding light. Hashem is guiding you and essentially in a tailor-made fashion. But you could only sense that and know that if you tune into the channel, if you get educated, if you, you have to become intuitive, soul-searching, thinking about it, being mindful, meditating, not escaping it. If you escape it, if you don't already know, it doesn't go away. You'll be 20... 30, 40, 50, you'll live with phobias. You won't live a life of expression and health and being out there. All because of stupid, stupid anomalies in the brain. You will have been outsmarted by your own brain instead of you taking control. Your desires, the expressions of your soul, your free will, the divine in you should be so much stronger the will to get it under control should be so much stronger. And indeed, if you pursue it, it will overpower the stupidity or mechanics of your brain. But you need to have that will. You need to have that soul, that drive. I hope that uh, most of what we shared, um, everything that we shared kind of... Um, covers most of what we have to share on the topic. I know a lot of these things took me years to figure out on my own, and they've helped me tremendously. Try them out. If you have any specific questions, if you have any specific fears, I, this was obviously very broad, because as you can see, we could I could slip into one kind of phobia, one kind of fear, and talk about it for an hour straight. 
I was trying to give a, a big, I know there's a million types of fears and a million types of anxieties and people get anxious for all kinds of things. And to paint the broad picture like this is a, could, it could be a little confusing, but the, we were focusing more on the bedrock of behind what's, what's behind all of it without getting too detailed into the types. But if you have a certain type or something you struggle with specifically that wasn't covered, feel free to send us a message, comment, and we'll have a conversation about it. Also, these, this podcast is on, if you're listening on iTunes, it's on iTunes, it's on most platforms. Um, if you leave some reviews or ratings, that will also help uh, build it and, and improve the name. And you can share this with any friends or family who you think may benefit from it. Thank you for tuning in. Again, God bless you.